0: This is episode 107, featuring my guest co-host, Tina Muir, as we tackle your questions about strength training for endurance runners. Hey all, this is Jason Fitzgerald, the host of the Strength Running Podcast. I hope you've had a good weekend and a great start to your week. I was able to get in my long run a day early this past Friday, so I had a little bit more restful weekend than usual. No big mountain runs, cycling adventures, or any big summits this weekend, though I am itching to get back on the trails very soon. Being in Denver, you really can't spend too much time away from the mountains without having to get back there. By the way, if you guys want to follow some of my training, find me on Strava and Let's Connect. I'm posting my workouts, both running and cycling, so it's all in one place. All right, today we have a fun episode, a different type of format than our typical interview. I'm being joined by a guest co-host, Ms. Tina Muir. Tina is the host of the incredibly popular Running For Real podcast, a past guest here on the Strength Running Podcast, and a former professional runner. She's joining me to take your questions about strength training. We're discussing whether or not runners need upper body strength work, frequency, and timing of strength workouts, whether we should worry about progressive overload or just injury prevention, lifting to failure, circuit workouts, and dealing with soreness. I should also add that the answers to these questions in much more detail are also found in Strength Running's email series about weightlifting for runners. It's an email a day about the benefits of strength work, common myths that many of us believe, case studies, mistakes to avoid, example exercises, and a lot more. You can sign up today at strengthrunning.com strength, and let's plan your strength training a bit more strategically. All right, I think you're going to like this very freewheeling discussion, and hopefully you're going to learn a lot, even if you didn't have one of these specific questions. So a huge thanks to Paige, Jennifer, Bella, Dan, Lori, Sarah, Meredith, and Daphne for your questions. I think doing Q&A is one of the most effective ways of giving back to the running community, spreading knowledge about our wonderful sport, and helping as many runners as possible with their training. So without further ado... Please welcome my co-host for this episode, Ms. Tina Weir. We were talking about uh, having a specific uh, topic for this podcast, so uh, we're going to do it on strength training Q&A. So uh, the way I've structured it is we're going to start more general and get a little bit more specific with the questions. And uh, the good thing is that besides maybe one question that I pulled from just kind of a uh, database of questions that I've received from different places, all of them actually have the name of the person who submitted it. So uh, a big thanks to all of our uh, listeners and and folks from social media who have submitted questions. Because I think the cool thing about this is that, you know, we didn't come up with any of these questions. These are entirely listener generated questions for the podcast today. And what I really love about doing these kinds of podcasts is that it kind of takes us out of it you know this is not us talking about the things that we think runners need to the hearing. It's it's specifically answering direct questions from runners. And, and this is coming from their personal experience and, and their day to day experience with running. So I think it's very powerful. And, you know, if one person has the question, then, you know, 50 other people probably have the same question or a very similar question. So I think the learning opportunity with these kinds of podcasts is is very high. So um, you have quite the uh, the I don't want to say the the experience or background with strength training, but you're you're very pro strength training as an endurance runner and and I love talking to to distance runners who have that mindset and that position because um I feel like it was very rare 10 years ago and now a lot more folks are starting to understand all the benefits of strength training and how you know at the highest levels of the sport you you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find an athlete who's competing really well and achieving lots of big things and they're not doing any strength work so it is you hit
1: the nail on the head there because you said achieving and doing well because i think a lot of elites don't do strength training but you won't they'll appear and then disappear very quickly
0: right they don't have the longevity in the sport so i think it for longevity purposes it's it's just critical and then Also, just achieving things, you know, an actual performance enhancer, uh, a legal one at that. So, I think runners should really be jumping on this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, let's dive in here. I think, um, you know, like I said, we're going to go general to specific. And uh, our first question is from Paige, who really wants more of a firm definition of strength training. So her question is, when you say strength training, are you only referring to lower body work? It's quite important to lift upper body, too, isn't it? So, Tina, let's let's have you jump in on this one and and talk about, you know, runner specific kinds of strength training. So if you were to have an athlete get in the gym and do some weightlifting, are they only going to be doing lower body work? What's the split? You know, how do you think about this?
1: I think it's interesting that Paige mentioned upper body as a thing to work because whenever people have talked about strength training in the past and only mentioned one area to me, it's always been core. Am I working my core? Um, as if that one section of your body is completely standalone, which I have learned through uh, many years of um, uh, strength training now that it, your body doesn't, you, you don't work specific areas. Yes, okay, some exercises, like if you're doing a bicep curl, okay, that might not be working your quads and your, your calves but for the most part, most exercises are like compounding and are hitting multiple areas. So, um, yes, absolutely, your upper body should be included in the exercises. But uh, from my experience of working with my coach, Drew, many of the exercises actually do hit a lot of areas. Like if you look at something simple like a plank, that's going to get you um, an upper body workout, a lower body workout. And yeah, that core area which is not just the the six pack area that people think of but the the side of the body the back of the body um just kind of bringing it all together in my opinion, strength training involves everything that is pulling the body into essentially one piece that is working together what about you
0: Yeah, no, I I really agree with you on that. And with regard to the core, um, I'm very much in agreement. A lot of people, I think, have this misconception that the core is your abs. And I have a slightly not safe for work way of describing the core. It's everything from your knees to your nipples. And it's that entire area. It includes your hip flexors and your lower back and your lower abdominals and your obliques. So it's very much more comprehensive. And you know, I, I've learned too, since I've gotten more involved with strength training and learned more about it from a, a running perspective, that when you are doing a squat or a deadlift and you have a decent amount of weight on there, that's actually a great core exercise. Mm-hmm. I think they measured the uh, abdominal tension when you are doing a heavy squat and it's much higher than when you're doing a plank so a lot Mm -hmm. of runners who you know they get in the gym and they do some squats and like well man i really didn't hit my my abs did i well you know they were under so much tension and stress while you were squatting relatively heavy that you know you you got a good uh core workout in while you were squatting so Mm -hmm. you know i I think this is a little bit different than what Paige was asking for, you know, but I'm glad we talked a little bit more about the core and how a lot of exercises, particularly any kind of standing exercise where you are holding a barbell, lifting it up, squatting down with it, um, you know, pressing it above your head. These are all core exercises. Absolutely. And then, you know, with reference to, you know, upper body, uh, you know, I think, we certainly don't need any kind of isolation exercises, you know, you mentioned bicep curls, uh doesn't really have a place in a runner's lifting program except for vanity purposes if you <laughs> wanted to throw in a couple extra sets just to, you know, get that bicep bicep pump right before a pool party, for example. <laughs> but um you know, there there is a lot of exercises that uh are deceptively upper body exercises like a deadlift or a front squat mm-hmm. and you know, the type of muscular contraction that's going on when you're doing those kinds of exercises is, you know, more of an isometric contraction, you know, you're, you're holding a lot of stress and tension in the muscle, but you're not really lengthening it or contracting it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're holding a really heavy bar in a deadlift, you know, you're working your back and in your shoulders and your grip strength. And so there's a lot to be said about those exercises, and really how Full body, they are. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do think there is a place for some, some more primarily upper body exercises. Like let's just say, for example, the press, where you're pressing a bar above your head. Um, you know, I think that is is a very fundamental movement, and it has a good place for runners. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, it's important to lift upper body too. Uh, I would say it doesn't have to be a huge focus, and you do get a lot more. Uh, of a of upper body and core stimulus when you're just doing some of the other traditional weightlifting movements like the squat and the deadlift,
1: agreed, although I do have a question for you. You said about biceps curls before a pool party. Do you <laughs> have a habit of going to pool parties because I've never been invited to a pool party, and I don't know if it's just I'm not cool enough or if there's
0: Gina, a thing if I had you. a pool. you would be on my guest list for my oh, pool party. You. Um, Thanks. I've been to a pool party, sure, but maybe when I was a little (laughs) bit younger, I was uh, maybe just being funny there. (laughs)
1: So so maybe it's I can I can reassure myself by saying because I didn't grow up my teenage years in America that that's why I've never been invited to a pool party, not because everyone I knew was having one and I just wasn't invited. Right, right. That's how I'm gonna. It's not you, Tim. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I, I have
0: very specific memories of going to a pool party when I was in college, and it was at a, a teammate's house, actually, and it was a bunch of runners, mm-hmm. and um, it, was, it was a pretty big party, and of course, we were doing push-ups before the pool party, because you want a good uh. pump before you take your shirt off. Um, that's, <laughs> Does uh,
1: that actually work?
0: Well, I mean, sure, a little bit, but we were also just very hormonal 20-year-old boys who were just being funny. Um, so let's move on, Tina, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
1: sorry. (laughs) A little insight into
0: Jason's, uh, uh, youth. Uh, all right. So this question is from Jennifer and it's about scheduling. What days are the best days to do strength training on? Should it be speed work days, long run days, easy run days? What do you think?
1: Is this Jennifer Hubbard, by the way?
0: I don't know. I don't have oh, her last name. If
1: it is, I, I'm pretty sure I saw a message from her and she knows my answer to this. Um, so she's obviously after your answer to this. But uh, my answer is it depends. I know that's not what anyone wants to hear. Um, it really does depend though in this situation. For me, I I did not like doing my, uh, my strength training workouts on the day of my um, hard runs. Partly because you mentioned earlier about um some of the uh things like grip strength I would find if I had really pushed myself hard on a long run or a workout if I went to the gym I I couldn't hold the weights like part of my my strength had gone and I would find that um I wouldn't be able to do my form correctly. I would just be caving in, which yes, maybe you could argue that that's more when you need to do it. But I just found for me, mentally and physically, it wasn't working well. So I always liked doing it the day after a, a hard workout or a long one. That was always my favorite time to do it. Now, it doesn't matter so much to me. But um, for me, that's always been my my choice of doing it the day after so that I have that fatigue from the day before. But it's not so fatigued that it's affecting my workout. So that's my answer.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, something I completely agree with. You know, I'm I'm kind of split on the issue, and I, and I think there's a lot of nuance here, and there's no right answer. So I think a lot of coaches will talk about how it's important to polarize your training. Let's make your hard days really hard. Let's make your easy days really easy. So that means let's do your weightlifting on a hard running day. So after your long run, after a, a workout, Um, And I think there's nothing wrong with that if you can make it work. Number one, a lot of runners can't because of time constraints. You know, the long run obviously takes a long time. Workouts generally take a little bit longer than an easy run because they, you know, they're a bit more technical sometimes. There's other things you have to do, maybe drills and strides in addition to it. And um, so they just simply can't fit in their weight training day on a workout day. And so if you can't do it logistically or like you, Tina, if the person is just finding that they're they're so tired or their grip strength is lacking, you know, I, I felt the same way as you did. It was some one of those things where I could probably lift well after a workout, but I really struggled after a long run. I just felt like I was depleted. I didn't have any energy. Uh, I had no power in the weight room. And for those, for, for those reasons, I actually prefer the day after because I, mm-hmm. I I was able to get a good night's rest and eat a bunch of food and just restock myself and, and really get back to a level where I had the energy to put up some decent weight. And if I was doing that right after a hard run, I just really struggled with it. So uh, yeah, that's something that I think you need to find what works for you and yeah. above all, You know, let's make sure that the weightlifting that you're doing is complementing your running. And so if you're lifting before your workout or long run, it's probably going to negatively impact, you know, your, your workout or if you're doing it the day before. You know, I I think that can be problematic if, you know, come your workout or long run, you're either so tired or so sore that you have to cut your long run or you can't hit the required paces that you really want to hit or you think you should be hitting on your workout day. So as long as...
1: Sorry, let me just quickly say with that point, um, with your something like your hamstring, if your hamstrings are tight, you might not be able to run properly because they're tight. And so you're restricted and you're kind of shuffling rather than getting your running movement. So that's another thing to keep in mind with the day before.
0: Yeah, the day before, I, I think, is is very risky. Um, it, it actually, I think, can work if the lifting session is relatively easy. Mm. And the next day you're doing a workout and you want to. You know fine-tune your muscular tension you want to feel a little bit more responsive i i think that can work but it's in you know the very minority of cases where you know you're you're going to be lifting not super hard and maybe the workout itself isn't super hard so you can have those kind of two days back to back like that but for the most part let's keep it on your hard days or maybe if you know that's too challenging for you uh, i love doing it on the day after uh, a workout mm-hmm. or a long run
1: can I just add one more thing? If someone listening has, you know, a schedule situation where you're listening to us and you're saying, I, I just can't do it on the day after my workout. Like maybe it is that you have um, you have two days a week where you're there, your, e- your easy work days or easy life days that you have time to get it in. And you're saying, well, now they're saying that that isn't a very good idea. I don't feel good on it, but it's my only time. I think if it comes to not doing it, or doing it um, on a day that's not ideal, do it over, you know, not doing it at all.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. Like, what is what is the first goal of strength training? It's just to do it right to like let's actually get it done during our weekly schedule. Um, you know, same thing if you're doing, you know, a really easy Body weight mobility routine after a run. You know, if you can't do it right after your run, let's do it later in the day at some point. I think the first goal is to simply get it done and make sure that you're going through those movements and exercises. It's very important. The scheduling is icing on the cake and and that we can worry about, you know, once you're actually consistently getting in the weight room. Um, But with that said, you know, Bella wants to know, how often do you need to do strength training in a week? Can you Can you skip a run to then do a a strength training session, or, or should you kind of keep them very separate?
1: Do you want to answer this one first, for a change?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So, how often do you need to do strength training a week? Um, So, my view on this is that I think we should differentiate between weightlifting in a gym and you know some bodyweight exercises that might be a little bit more uh, taken from the world of physical therapy. They might be a little bit more therapeutic in that regard. Uh, So, you know, I think. I think most runners, if not all runners, should follow every run with some type of body weight, uh, strength work, core work, mobility work, some 10 to 20 minutes uh, worth of exercises. And it's not necessarily very difficult, but it's really gonna act as a cool down to help you get down from your run. It's gonna help you build some strength. It's gonna help you feel better throughout the day so you're not just tightening up and, and feeling really sore. Um, but if you are getting in the gym and doing some, you know, what I'll call real strength training, so you're lifting a barbell, you're 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 doing some weightlifting, that is something that we don't have to do as often. And and I think uh, once or twice a week is probably the magic number there. Uh, twice a week, if you're, you know, really you know in a formal program or you're you know, building up your strength gains and you really want to be consistent with it. Uh, I think for maintenance or, you know, if you're kind of in the off season, once a week might be fine. Uh, but generally once or twice a week with two probably being the gold standard is is my view on that.
1: Yep. I think I think you've got most of the the key points that I was going to say there. Yeah. One to two times a week is what I'd also say. Um, and um, as Jason mentioned, doing some of those other things, um, uh, for me uh, mobility like foam rolling doing some active um movements dynamic warm ups things like that um and on the other end of things was also very helpful when i was you know really in those key moments but one other thing i just want to say cuz you pretty much said what i would say but um about substituting a run um i'm sure both of us wouldn't typically recommend you skipping a run to get a strength training workout in however if you if it comes down to zero strength training sessions um or uh with five runs or six runs I would maybe consider skipping a run to get that strength training in because um you know it is going to keep you healthy it is going to help you run faster and if it's just an easy run that you're missing Um, I think the strength training can go a long way to helping you to stay resilient and maybe be able to to get further and faster in those runs that you are doing.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot the second part of the question there. And yeah, I agree with you. I think it depends a little bit on the type of run that's being skipped. You know, obviously, as runners, we run that is our primary sport. It's our sport specific activity. So you don't want to skip a long run or a workout to get in a a day in the gym. But with that said, you know, if you are running five, six, seven days a week, and not doing any strength training, and the only way that you can get a day in the gym in is by skipping a run, then I think there's some opportunity there to, to actually do that. Um, but we should probably skip, you know, the shortest, easiest run of the week, um, yep. you know, a three, four or five mile run, something like that, just an easy recovery day. Instead of that, let's do the strength training, because that means you're still getting other days during the week where you're not running, you're not lifting, and you are getting what I'll call a, a true pure recovery day. Now, Dan wants to know, should we do core stability training before or after a run? This might be a quick one. What do you think?
1: Um, well, again, it, that word core, it depends what we mean by that. But um, I'm taking core as you, meaning strength training as a whole, doing um, a general workout because I, again, as we talked about earlier, don't typically do a core, quote unquote, workout. It's a, an entire body workout Um like we said earlier, your core is not your abs. Um, so I don't do a sit-up routine. Knees actually, to nipples, coach, Dan.
0: Knees to nipples. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my coach, is, he will go off on a 15-minute run if someone mentions sit-ups. Um, <laughs> so uh, for me, it, its I, I actually like now running bef- uh, after my uh, strength training workout. But when I was running as an elite, I actually preferred doing it afterwards. So it depends. For me, it depends where what, what the goal is.
0: And and does it also depend for you, Tina, on the difficulty of the strength workout and the difficulty of your run? So Yes, you, I wouldn't I... do
1: a w- running workout afterwards.
0: So you would not do that?
1: I would not do a running workout after a strength training workout, like a hard day.
0: But you would do, say, an easy run? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, you're not really going to suffer... If you are a little bit tired from that strength workout, if you're just doing an easy run because it's just an easy run, you just slow down a little bit if you need to, and you know you still accomplish the goals of that particular training session. Um, whereas, opposed to you know if you're doing a track workout, you have really specific splits you might want to hit, and and you might start compromising the um, you know that workout if if you're a little bit tired from the strength workout. I'm almost a a bigger fan of doing the strength training after a run, you know, all the time because you know I've you've probably heard me talk about my idea of sandwiching a run between a Mm -hmm. dynamic warm up and then your core or strength routine afterwards. So you know, there's there's that, and and I think you know I think what you're saying is let's replace the dynamic warm up with a relatively easy strength workout. Am am I right in that?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean. Uh, right now for me, I would say that I can get away with any kind of hard strength workout, but again, it doesn't right now for me, I'm not training for anything, so it doesn't matter, but you want to put the, in my opinion, you want to put the thing that matters most first. Uh, so if I'm going to run afterwards right now, it doesn't matter. Uh, but if I was training hard as an elite, I would not want to put, uh, any kind of, uh, strength workout that is hard after before a run. I'm just confusing myself there, but yes, in answer to your question.
0: Yeah. And it's important to prioritize what you want to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And as runners, I think we're always trying to prioritize our running. And that's one of the reasons why we're lifting, right? We want to get faster. We want to prevent injuries. Um, now, with that said, I think, you know, there's this r- interesting concept of, you know, we understand that runners Gradually increase their mileage. Their workouts might get longer or faster. So, the idea of progressive overload in running is very clear to us as runners. Um, And and I think, as when we get in the weight room, it becomes a little bit more murky. We're not sure how to progressively overload our training. And Lori has a good question that I don't think I've ever got before. And, And she wants to know how much should we be concerned with? progressive overload in the weight room versus just doing enough to stay uninjured. And and I think this is such a, a great way of talking about this issue of, you know, do we strength train just to stay healthy and prevent injuries and, and really complement our running in that regard? Or, you know, should we be trying to get stronger in the gym? And should we be progressively lifting more and more weight so that we're increasing force production and we're doing all the things that are actually going to help our performance um what do you think tina
1: i think it's a tricky balance definitely that's a difficult question and laurie obviously knows that as do do most of us that um of course you want to progress of course you want to get stronger of course you want to get faster and and see results if we're runners um runners do tend to definitely be driven by results like to see improvement um that's one of the things that is great about running so we want to translate it to everything else um but i would my personal opinion is if your strength if your running is really that important to you that you really want to improve your performance you want to max out your potential you want to reach these big big goals that you know are a stretch I think it's very important to work with someone one-on-one and yes, that part can be tricky finding someone um, who is going to watch over you Um, because as we know, many strength training coaches are not exactly in line with what we are working towards. They're not exactly fans of runners, but um, I think if you really do have something, this is a once in a lifetime, I'm giving it my everything working with a strength training coach is going to get you to that point where you can, um progress you can get the most out of your body however if you are um training or you're not in the you know key moment of your running life i think maybe you can get away with kind of uh just just feeling it out a little bit i mean um you're going to know if something's too heavy if you find yourself really sore one day that's probably too far uh, maybe back off or maybe back off some of the exercises so you're not sore all over. But it is a tricky balance. And I I get the point completely. But I think if it comes to taking a risk, uh, I would always go for the just doing enough to to prevent injury over going too
0: far. Yeah, for me, this question is all about balance. You know, what are your goals? What do you really want to accomplish? And if your goals are performance oriented, you know, you're trying to Get under a certain time in a race. Maybe you're trying to qualify for Boston. Maybe you're trying to break two hours in the half marathon. Maybe you're trying to, you know, get any other type of qualifying standard. Uh, that means your your focus is on performance, and that means your focus in the weight room has to be on performance too. And and that almost demands progressive overload. So mm-hmm. if you are a performance oriented runner, then. Yes, we will have to lift heavy weight. We will have to gradually lift more weight over time. We may have to do some more complex types of weightlifting than, you know, some of the really basic types of lifts. Um, But with that said, you know, our strength training is complementing our running. It it is there to make our running better. So you know, if you are so incredibly sore uh, or or fatigued from a lifting session that you have to cut a run short or run dramatically slower, then that's a time to be a little bit more conservative. and And I think even for performance oriented runners who who want to you know, lift gradually more weight in the weight room, then, you know, even for those runners, let's still be a little bit more conservative than say a power lifter. You know, mm-hmm. you can take those risks on the track, on the race course. You can take those risks with progressive overload in your sport specific activity, which is running, then just be a little bit more conservative in the weight room. Because even even for those runners who are trying to achieve big things, i i still would rather focus a little bit more on injury prevention uh than you know trying to max out in the weight room and and trying to lift just incredible amounts of weight because i don't think we we have to do that very often and even if we're only lifting at 90 percent of our capacity that's still excellent and way more than most runners are doing and so i think uh you know there's 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 that balancing act and while we we have to focus on that progressive overload in the weight room Maybe not, you know, at, at the risk of getting hurt or at the risk of being so sore.
1: Mm-hmm. I just want to add one more thing that my uh, when I was training at my highest level um, and, and still now, but more specifically, then it would have a direct um, impact. My strength coach, when I would go in, would always say on the day I went in, how are you feeling? Number one. And I would say, you know, I'm feeling a bit tired today or did my long run yesterday. It was quite hard. Uh, number two, he would say, what do you have coming? And number three, he'd be like, what do you think? So if you're not working with someone, be prepared to ask yourself that question. How am I feeling? Yeah, really tired. I did, you know, a 24 mile long run for my um, race. I'm just absolutely exhausted. Okay. All right. Then performance is not the goal today. We're not going to overload. You're not feeling good. Number two, what do you have coming? Well, I have a really important workout tomorrow. All right. Well then, you know going heavy really going for performance aspect is not going to be a good thing now so really if you're not working with someone who's going to ask you those questions ask yourself those questions and that might only mean that you get maybe five really go for it I'm gonna um, not really go for it because that makes it sound like you're going to be reckless but um, I'm going to really make the strength training the focus today you might only get five of those within a whole marathon build up where you get the kind of go ahead and the rest of the time is injury prevention, just kind of maintenance kind of stuff. So just if you can't be with someone who's going to take care of you, take care of yourself while you're doing that
0: yeah that's really important and I think that speaks to context you know what is the context of your training that this lifting session is falling into so is it the day after a long run the day before a workout you know how tired and fatigued you are and putting all of that together and thinking about how you feel it can be tricky and and I think it's really helpful to have someone there with you uh, to have uh, a running coach who, who might know that you're going in to do some strength training who can say hey you just did a long run, you have yeah, a workout yeah. in two days. I'm not sure how you're feeling right now, but you, you need to communicate that to your strength coach and really working together, kind of just keeping those communication, uh, those lanes of communication open so you can really uh, tell everyone how you're feeling because you know the last thing you want to do is lift so hard that you get hurt or you, you blow a really important workout when you know it's it's critical that that you do it well for not just, you know, the physical adaptation process. But also your confidence, you know, and I think that's a huge part of this is is if you're lifting so hard and then you bomb a big workout or a long run in in route to your marathon that you're training for, that's a big hit to your confidence. And and that's the last thing that you really want to do. You want to be lifting in a way that really enhances your your running workouts. Now, we talked a little bit about or just mentioned it in passing this uh, lifting to failure And, and lifting to failure is, you know, you're lifting so much weight or you're doing enough repetitions where you know you you fail on your final rep you know you you just can't do that last one and um sports journalist alex hutchinson just wrote an article about lifting to failure on uh i believe it was outside magazine's website and so sarah submitted a question and she said that you know sometimes i read about how it's good to lift heavy like heavy enough that you can only manage six to eight reps but my trainer never has me do that. We usually go 12 to 15 reps. And then Alex wrote about how not lifting to failure might be more beneficial. So what are your views on lifting to failure? Should it ever be in a runner strength training program? Um, and you know, I'll just spitball this first. And I think, uh, it should be very rare. You know, it's almost like a workout where you go to the well, where you are just lying on the side of the track at the end of it. You don't have an extra foot of speed in you to, to give out anymore. Um, and, and I think, you know, just like we were talking before about how most of your lifting sessions should be submaximal because they're in service of your running. And, you know, occasionally in a long marathon buildup, like you mentioned, Tina, you might get five big days in the weight room, but, you know, you might be in the weight room 20 times or 25 times during a long marathon buildup. And, and I think about it the same way that, you know, if your lifting is periodized, so it kind of changes its focus over time, then it's probably a good idea to keep any kind of lifting to failure you know, to the right period of the training cycle. And even then, just do it judiciously, do it very carefully, and, and do it rarely, because I don't think it should happen too too frequently.
1: I'm wishing I read the article. Did you read it?
0: I didn't actually read the article. I, I put these together. And, and this was one of the last questions I added.
1: So I, I have not read it. I wish I read it, because I have no idea what he said in it. But I can guess. Um Now, I don't know if this is just going to, it's going to make it seem like I'm just quoting Alex. I, I have a feeling it might, but my strength coach has never, very rarely, very rarely, like I can think of maybe five times total where I have got to the point where I'm at failure and for me, I would say those moments are things where it's my grip strength that goes. So maybe I'm doing some kind of what he calls farmer carry, suitcase carry, which is where you hold a very heavy kettlebell, dead um, kettlebell, or dumbbell um, in your hand. And for me, it would be my grip that would go. It was nothing to do with um, my the rest of my body. It's literally my grip strength. I just could not hold on to the weight anymore. However, other things I can only remember a few times, uh, uh, maybe less than one hand's worth of times where I have just said I can't do any more of these. Um, but my coach is a real advocate for doing, um, leaving rep, what he calls reps in the tank. So if I was going to do um, push-ups or press-ups, you call them push-ups, right? Press-up is English.
0: <laughs> well, push-up yeah? is when I get you're...
1: confused with these two. Push-up is
0: when you're on the ground in a prone position okay, yeah, and you yeah. Push in England we body. call that press
1: up i just get confused which wh- who uses what term anyway push ups <laughs> if he sets me um 8 let's say after the first set he'll we say how many do you think you had in the tank which means how many do you have left and i would say 2 and he would say okay perfect do 8 so he quite often gets you to maybe where you're at 80 to 90% of what your max is and stops you there Um, so over time, so let's say I'm doing like a trap bar deadlift or something that is like a squat, some kind of heavier, more traditional heavy lifting weight. Um, I might only get three or four reps because he wants to leave one or two in the tank, what he calls that. So I think there's a difference between what Sarah was saying about 12 to 15 reps. Um, my strength coach, unless it's something like triceps or, um, maybe push up with a band around my waist, uh, to take some of the weight off. Uh, he would not set 12 to 15 of anything. Um, the max I do of anything really is about 10. So for me, that's a different question. The 12 to 15 aspect, you're kind of into a different type of strength training to what I do. However, I, um, so I do keep all my reps on the lower end of things. However, I do not lift to failure. I always leave a few in the tank even if yeah like that means you're only lifting something 3 times before you put it down and go on to the next exercise. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and I think it's it is important to differentiate the type of lifting that Sarah might be doing versus, you know, what we're talking about because yeah. you can you can lift really heavy weight and not lift to failure. It really is a matter of you know, uh, volume and, and how much you're, you're putting up that, uh, that weight, because you know, you could say squat 200 pounds, uh, but you're only doing it twice. And that's yep. not a, a maximal effort for you. Uh, but you know, you could squat a hundred pounds, but you do it 20 times and you, you lift a failure in that regard. And so you're right though. I, the, the strength training that I do and strength runnings strength course uh, I think the max is 10 reps that that we have our runners do. And uh, when you start lifting more than that, it starts becoming more of a lift for endurance type of a stimulus. And I don't think that's really the the goal that runners should have in the weight room. It's more, mm-hmm. it's more strength oriented, uh, and or power. power oriented, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, more philosophically, even this question is really about how often do we have to go to the max? How often do we have to go to failure? You know, if you think of a race as running to failure, you know, you're running as hard as you can for whatever the distance might be. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's 800 meters or a marathon. Uh, You know, there's a pace that will get you to failure by the finish line. And, you know, we, we almost never have to really run to failure, lift to failure, uh, or, or anything else in that regard. You know, I had a lot of friends that, you know, a couple times during a semester in college, they would have these heroic all-nighters, and they would write like a fifteen-page paper, you know, in a single night. And, and I, I was that—that's just crazy to me. I would never study to failure in that regard. I always spread it out and did a little bit at a time. And and I think whether we're talking about studying or we're talking about running or lifting, those heroic lift to failure, run as hard as you can, You know, those all nighters, we rarely have to do those. And I think Alex's point in the article was was about how not lifting to failure might be more beneficial because of the very real risks of lifting to failure. You know, if your form all of a sudden falls apart and you get a barbell over your head, that's a problem. Uh, Or, you know, if you're lifting so hard, and it's after a workout or a long run, and you're tired, and your grip strength is starting to fail, that could be problematic. So, you know, to to Sarah's point, I think it should be very rare and very careful. uh, But you could, you could never lift to failure. And and I think I would be perfectly happy with that, too.
1: I think, yeah, it's better to to never have lifted to failure than to do it often.
0: Let's talk about a different type of strength training. Um, Meredith wants to learn a little bit more about circuit training for strength. Uh, she likes it because it's less boring, but she <laughs> she says she avoids it two out of my three strength days because she wonders if the extra heart rate elevation is more cardio than she needs or if strength training is even a good option that, you know, you, you, you could structure it better. Um, do, do you use circuit workouts with your athletes or, or how do you... Program this kind of a, a session into a training cycle. I
1: have to be honest. I haven't used strength training. I mean, strength training, circuit training, uh, in a very long time. That's something. Um, once I did start working with my strength coach Drew, I kind of completely abandoned. And I realized that's pretty much what I was doing. Um, one thing, you know, um, saying about it being boring, uh, less boring. Um, is that in terms of the rest aspect? I would like to know because um, for me when I first transitioned to doing more of heavier lifting or more of you know essentially doing maybe nine exercises in an hour, um, three sets or four sets but nine exercises, for me at first I really struggled with the rest aspect of what do you mean I have to take two minutes between the set before I start again? And I just, I wanted to go from one thing to the next to get it over with kind of that circuit training mindset of, come on, let's bam, 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 go through this one to the next. Um, And, um, you know, I got, it was explained to me that it, that really wasn't doing me any favors, um, that with kind of strength training, heavy lifting, it has to be, you have to take rest in between to allow your body to reset, to allow it to kind of essentially kind of in a way absorb what you just did um but so that's just the one thing I want to mention if it is in terms of she feels like you can get more bang for your buck with a circuit training because you can just do it quickly it can be done in 20 minutes um that kind of aspect but I would still kind of lean towards if it was me personally um getting three maybe five exercises within half an hour than doing a circuit of Um, 10 to 12 exercises just kind of all in a row but that's I just honestly haven't done circuit training in the traditional sense in quite a while
0: yeah and there are multiple types of circuits that you could do in your training Um, I think You know, one type of circuit is just going from exercise to exercise to exercise. There's no rest. You keep your heart rate elevated the whole time. A more running specific type of circuit is when you do a workout, but your recovery interval after a repetition includes some strength movements. And so you could Mm -hmm. do like, you know, short repetitions on the track, uh, say a tempo effort, and then instead of getting a, a very short recovery, Maybe you take a slightly longer recovery, but you're doing, you know, one, two, three exercises, bodyweight exercises on the track while your heart rate is elevated. And that's part of your recovery. So the, re- the, the recovery interval might actually be a little bit longer, but your heart rate stays more elevated and you're actually getting in that strength stimulus. And, that sounds you know, tough. The- Yeah, they they are hard um, (laughs) and, you know, they keep your heart rate pretty high during the entire workout, which which makes it really challenging. Yeah. Um, But I think these workouts are are good for certain types of runners at certain times during the training cycle. So for injury, uh, injury prone runners for prevention, I think circuits are really great to take the place of some more traditional workouts, because they just get some extra strength training in they get an extra strength stimulus, and that can help with prevention. Uh, and they probably should be done more in the the base phase of training or er, very early in the competition phase, you know, before mm-hmm. you start doing more race specific types of workouts and things like that, where you're really dialing in on the running itself. So, you know, I'm kind of like you, Tina, where, you know, I don't I don't do a lot of circuits, I don't really prescribe too many circuits, although I'm kind of enamored by them. I think they're really interesting. I think (laughs) they're endlessly fascinating because of their versatility and their flexibility and how you can design, you know, you can design a thousand different strength training, uh, or I'm sorry, circuit workouts uh, involving running and different workouts and exercises and the opportunities there are, are really attractive to me. But I I do just like the more traditional, fundamental types of strength training. So to to Meredith's point, um, I I think circuits are fine uh, if she wants to do them because they're more fun. I would say maybe just do them a little bit earlier in -hmm. in the training cycle and then focus more on, you know, your running and then some more traditional weightlifting, you know, as you kind of get get into the, the heart of the training cycle. But you know, in general, circuits are great. They're really fun. Um, You know, you bring a medicine ball to the track and you can have a blast. Yeah. Now let's get real specific. Uh th- This is our only anonymous question. And uh I've actually gotten it so many times and I don't feel like I ever have a good answer. What are some good calf strengthening exercises for runners, both body weight and some for the gym with weights? Now I struggle with this because this is an isolation exercise. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is like someone, I want to work my bicep or I want to you know, work my quadricep. And you know, I just firmly believe that runners should be training movements, not muscles. And you will get strong as a byproduct of becoming more coordinated and uh, you know, stronger in, in the weight room. So you know, how do you, do, do you focus on the calf at all, Tina? Do, do you have individual exercises that target it?
1: No, I absolutely agree with you. Same thing. Um, you you want to get your entire body strong. Yes, you may have a weakness in your calf or you may have uh, a vulnerability in your calf, should we say, as I'm assuming this person probably has uh, injuries, issues with the calf. However, there's a very good chance that calf issue is coming from somewhere else. So if you keep addressing your calf, you keep strengthening your calf, um, yeah. Okay. It may help a little bit, but it probably isn't going to stop the problem or you're going to end up finding a problem somewhere else because you haven't, you haven't got to the root of the issue. So building your body as a whole, doing the correct exercises with the correct form, which is so important. I, the amount of people, Jason, I'm sure you hear this all the time that say, my glutes are asleep. You know, I just need to do this exercise. But if you're not doing it correctly, you're not going to, you're not going to, wake your glutes up and make them work how they're supposed to be working. So, um, using the correct form is really important. Um, however, I will say, um, if someone, as this is the one I do, um, know, uh, do you know Tom Michaud? I he know. is a, um, his book is called, um, what's it called? Human locomotion. That's it. Human locomotion. Um, he is, he's created this product called the toe pro platform. Um, And I think actually if people use code, I might have to tell you this after Jason, but Tina or Tina Muir, one or the other, I can't, I think it might be Tina, um, they can get 10% off. But he has created this product, which is specifically for people having issues with their feet, issues with their calf. Um, He's done all this research, he does... He loves the science studies, the research. He digs deep into it um, and he has found all kinds of things and and created a product based on what the research found. Um, And I've heard of a lot of people who have ended up getting this and found it really helpful. I do have one. Um, I don't actually have calf issues, so I haven't honestly used it very much myself, but um, my husband likes it, um, uses it a lot, and I have heard a lot of good things. So that's just one thing that I do know people... um, uh, could maybe check out if it is calf specific. But again, driving home that point you said, um, if if you have a, you shouldn't really just be strengthening your calves. Um, you have to address everything else at the same time.
0: Yeah, and everything else I think is probably, probably why a runner could be having calf problems. Um, because if you want strong calves, there's a lot of things that you do kind of with your running to help with that. Um, and I think things like, You know, maybe doing strides barefoot once or twice a week can be really helpful in that regard. Um, Wearing a lower profile shoe or maybe even a zero drop shoe for some workouts as long as you're comfortable with that and you've gradually built up to that. You know, when I look at the training of a pro runner and say, say a track athlete, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of speed workouts in track spikes, or they're, they're doing a little bit of barefoot work too, uh, just to supplement that and running fast in, you know, very minimal spikes or, or racing flats is a great calf workout. I and mean, I think anyone who's run a hard 5k or 10k in spikes on the track knows that it just burns up your calves. Cause you're really up in that aggressive mm-hmm. position. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and you're developing, you know, strength in a very running specific way. And, you know, I'll never forget the first cross-country race of the season in college. This happened to me every single year, no matter how many barefoot strides I did over the summer. It's like the first race that you run in cross-country spikes and your calves are just burning mm-hmm. after the race for days afterward. And, you know, it just well, takes...
1: track 10Ks. Did you did you ever do track 10K?
0: No, I purposefully avoided them, Tina.
1: Oh my god, the calves <laughs> the day after that were. Whew.
0: Yeah, I did a lot of five Ks. I did the the three thousand meter steeplechase. I had no interest in twenty five laps around the track. That, <laughs> no, neither that... did I needed to die, but I did it
1: anyway.
0: <laughs> I drew the line. Horrible. But um, yeah, I, I think there's there's so many other things that you can do to address any kind of calf weakness or or yep. calf problem that you might having uh, that you might be having. Especially, you know, the shoes that you're wearing for your easy runs, the shoes that you're wearing. Uh, recreationally, just to work and and around socially, uh, and how much time you're just spent being barefoot. Because if you're always in high drop shoes, you're always wearing, you know, very constricting, uh, formal dress shoes that might be very tight, that don't allow your feet to move, that might have a very high heel to toe drop, then, you know, you're kind of just putting your calf and Achilles in this more um, uh, you know, shortened position. And that could be one of the reasons why your calves are, are bothering you. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things to consider, but, uh, you know, I'm someone who thinks that you can get all the strength training in that you need just by doing, you know, kind of the fundamental types of movements that we've talked about with some other body weight exercises. Um, you know, it's interesting too. None of my coaches, in high, in high school in college, all the different cross country and track coaches and, and even the strength coaches that we had in college that helped us out in the weight room, they never had us focus exclusively on the calves because they knew that you know we were we were targeting that smaller muscle with our running in in a lot of different ways. and so yeah, we, we didn't really do anything. All right our last question, and this is going to uh, get a little bit more big picture. Uh Daphne just gets overwhelmingly sore uh from lifting and and that makes her runs for the next several days unbearable. She says I'd love to learn ways to avoid or deal with the soreness because stretching and foam rolling aren't cutting it.
1: Unfortunately the 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 number one answer has to be probably the one you've considered the most obvious one to 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 back off a bit um whatever you're doing if it's making you that sore that it's affecting you for 2 or 3 days. Um I would ask you if it's worth it. Um, Yes, there is going to be some soreness that's going to come from strength training, particularly if this is your first time ever of doing it. However, I would cut back on um, the weight or cut back on the number of reps that you were doing, cut back on the number of sets. Um, Choose one of those to kind of just back off um, a little bit so that you your body has a bit more time to adapt and um actually with the strength training program that um I have with my strength coach um online we always make the first phase be very basic it is honestly basically mobility with a little bit extra and people get quite frustrated cuz they're like why am i doing this you know i can do these exercises are too easy but the whole point of it is to kind of get your body used to, um, strength training, get your body used to, to movements, to, to getting, uh, the right range of motion, all those kind of things. So that then you do not have issues like this where you're just so sore that you can barely move. Um, so I think it has to be backing down a step, um, taking the exercises to a more simpler version and just, um, getting it used to that, giving it that for a while before you try and, um, get back to where, you were and, and just one more thing I want to say um, a lot of people would see photos of me or photos of you doing some lifting and think oh I want to do those cool exercises those look awesome um, but you don't have you you don't have to and you probably shouldn't go straight to those ones because yes Jason and I and some other you know elite runners you might follow um, may make it look really cool but they've been building up to that for many years so it may take you years to get to some of those more advanced exercises.
0: Tina, I agree with all of that except it sounded like you put me in a category of elite runner, and <laughs> and I really appreciate that, but I'm I'm nowhere close. <laughs> hey,
1: I would say to most people listening, you are absolutely in that category.
0: Well, thank you. I guess it's a little bit of it is relative, um, but I agree with a hundred percent of that. It's probably an issue of too much volume, so you're doing too many reps, too many sets or it's an issue of too much intensity or weight. You're just lifting too heavy. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of periodizing, uh, I'm sorry, using progression with your strength training. So in other words, if you've never gotten in the weight room before, if you've never done any kind of strength training, let's start with some easy body weight exercises first. Let's get comfortable with body weight exercises. Then once you've done that for a couple of weeks and, and it's not making you super sore, then we can add in some more, challenging types of strength training like some medicine ball work maybe we'll use bands to add some extra resistance and only then like once you've done some of that and so we have kind of a a basic foundation of strength built then we can get in the weight room and start practicing some of the more advanced lifts you know even like a squat and a deadlift I know we've said there these are basic fundamental movements but you know they're also you know Olympic powerlifting movements that can be very advanced if you're lifting enough yeah. weight so we have to be careful moving into those exercises and first get comfortable with the body weight stuff with the bands and medicine ball work because you know that is that's almost like your base training you know that's the foundational work which then allows you to do the more complex challenging lifting in the gym and and only then I think uh, should you start that kind of uh that kind of exercise because you know there's no couch to powerlifting meet kind of a program out there. (laughs) So you shouldn't get off the couch and and try doing some snatches or or clean and jerks, because you're going to feel like Daphne, you're going to get overwhelmingly sore. And so let's, let's keep that progression very gradual, and make sure that you do have a progression in the first place, so that you're not starting a level that you're too, uh, that that might be too advanced for you. All right, Tina, uh, this has gone a little bit long. I'm always so appreciative of your time and I just love talking to you and hearing your perspectives on running. Um, Tell us just for a minute, what do you got going on? If folks wanna connect with you, where can they find you? What's going on with Tina Weir these days?
1: Well, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to out you and and ask you when this is coming out to answer that question.
0: (laughs) This is going to come out, oh, that is such a great question. Um, uh, Let's just say uh, within one or two weeks,
1: all right so um i actually have my first running for real live show on september 7th at the new york roadrunners run center i'm interviewing meb Kaflesgi, uh jenny simpson and rachel pratt so i'm very excited about that who are those so people some...
0: those are not no. important people in the running community at all
1: no no i had to uh, really scrape the barrel to find find someone anyone to interview <laughs> no um i'm very excited about that and if anyone is in the new york area i would love for you to come to that um you can if you find me anywhere you will find links to it um so that's one thing i have coming which i'm pretty excited about um and um i actually can't say the other big thing but let's just say i will have something on the west coast towards the end of the year um that i will be talking about um people can find me at tina muir 88 on instagram at tina muir on um twitter that's uh sorry <laughs> i'm just getting confused there um uh, That's T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R. And um, you can also find me. My running podcast is Running For Real. uh, And I would love for you to listen there.
0: Running For Real has hit 2 million downloads. So definitely subscribe and start listening. Tina has an excellent running podcast.
1: Thank you. I just really embarrassed myself, though, because I just stumbled before I spelled my name as if I, like, forgot how to spell my name. So now everyone knows... I may have 2 million downloads, but I don't have a brain cell, apparently. So. You,
0: you, are, you are a podcaster with 2 million plus downloads. You can, you can misspell your name if you want to.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or forget my name. It's even worse. But yes, thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate you shouting that out as well.
0: Thanks, Tina. Hey, it's Jason, one more time to say thank you, Tina, for coming on the pod with me and taking strength training questions. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope it gave you a few new things to consider when planning your strength work, and I hope you learned at least one mistake to avoid the next time you're in the weight room. And remember, you can get even more free strength training guidance at strengthrunning.com slash strength, so if you still have questions, if you're not sure where to start, or if you're ready to take your training to new heights, Join us today. I also want to thank Inside Tracker for sponsoring today's show. They're a health analytics company that tests for over 40 different blood biomarkers. And based on your physiology, they offer you custom solutions to help you optimize any areas that might be outside of what your personal zones might be. So if you're training for a difficult race, maybe you want to ramp up your recovery because you haven't been feeling very good, or you're just a passionate running geek like me who's always looking for more ways to improve. You can get 10% off any test that they offer at insidetracker.com with code STRENGTHRUNNING at checkout. It's not case sensitive and it can be used for any tier that they offer from the affordable do-it-yourself kit to the ultimate package. Just use code STRENGTHRUNNING to claim your 10% savings at InsideTracker. Just don't do what I did and get a bunch of blood drawn in the morning only to go summit a mountain at altitude an hour later. Some lessons just have to be learned the hard way. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. And as always, if you have any feedback or questions, don't hesitate to reach out. My email is support at strengthrunning.com, and I'm always here to help. Talk to you soon.